Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. Hallelujah. I'm excited to be here. For those of you who don't know who I am, if you're new to the church, my name is Jesse Comrie. I'm the president of Global Renewal, and, uh, and what we do primarily is we go into the dark places in the world. We really have a heart for Hindu places, Muslim places, uh, villages in Africa that have been steeped in witchcraft and tribal spirituality, and we want to go into those very dark places around the world and turn on the lights of the gospel. Amen. And so we do outreaches, we do crusades, and we always leave a Bible-preaching church behind when we leave. Amen? So that is why we exist. I want to give you guys a quick update. Oh, and by the way, Pastor Gary is now the vice president of the ministry. I took over Global Renewal. Amen. I took over Global Renewal three years ago, and that was the first change I made. I said, I need Pastor Gary on the board. So, so uh, yeah, we're, I'm tremendously thankful for him. I want to give you a quick update before I get into the word, because I, I just got back a couple weeks ago from the nation of Uganda, and it was the first time I was able to go overseas in 15 months. And since the last nine years when I started ministry, that is by far the longest stretch. I had eight international trips planned for 2020. Eight. Right? So I only got to go on one in February. But, uh, but yeah, so this was the first time I was able to go overseas in over a year. And we had a phenomenal trip from the time we landed to the time that we left. God was on the move. I mean, the first thing that happened in the airport, uh, a, a Mormon missionary came up to me. And his goal, was, he, he made the mistake of trying to evangelize me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so he came up and he wanted to tell me what he believed and he very quickly realized I knew the word very well. And, and, uh, but what was cool was he didn't get defensive. He started to listen. And, and long story short, this guy tried to evangelize me by the time I was done with him, right? He was born again. He had renounced... He had renounced the false beliefs that he had held before. He had accepted Jesus as the uncreated, eternal son of God. And he was baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. <laughs> so, so from the time we landed, uh, God was moving even in the airport. We had some amazing revival services in Kampala. And then we went up to the village of uh, Labori in Uganda. And we went there to have an outreach and to plant a church. And Uganda had some really strict COVID laws. They actually went into lockdown right after I left. They went back into lockdown. And, uh, and so the, the COVID laws were pretty strict where we couldn't have more than 200 people in an outdoor gathering, right? That was the, that was the rule. So we said, okay, then we can't advertise at all, right? And we have a $0 budget and we're going to go up and set up a sound system and see what happens. The second day we had 500 adults and almost as many kids. And so we did our best, but we can't stop them from coming, right? And, uh, and it was amazing, man. People were healed. People were saved. People were born again. The church was planted. I want to I share a couple, a couple testimonies very quickly with you. So this, this, this precious lady, uh, I met her the first day of the outreach. We had some extra time, so I, I said, I want to go door-to-door. I need a translator. So we went door-to-door. And, and by the way, I don't like door-to-door evangelism in America because people don't want me there. But in Africa, it's the most fun thing in the world, right? They pull out the chairs. They sit down. They want to hear everything that you have to tell them, right? So I said, I want to go door-to-door. And we went to the first uh, little grouping of huts, and I met this precious lady who 
mother was a powerful witch doctor um, who, was, who was buried right, right there on the grounds of her house. And, and so she said she's been tormented by the devil for her entire life because of her mom's involvement in witchcraft. And, and so I shared the gospel with her and then I prayed for her and I laid hands on her and prayed for healing. And, and at first nothing happened. She wasn't healed. And then, so, and then it clicked like this isn't a healing thing. This is a spiritual thing, right? So I rebuked the spirit of infirmity off her. She fell over. She was delivered. She stood back up. She was born again. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and all of her physical symptoms were totally gone. Her daughter and her granddaughter were also there, and they were also born again when they saw what happened to their mom. Amen? Amen. So if we go to the next slide here, this is, this is uh, the outreach that we had the second day. And, uh, and so this is the opening service. But what was cool about the opening service of the church is that about half the people there had just gotten saved the day before in the outreach. And, and so, you know, a lot of times when you start a church, you get a lot of curious Christians, right? But these people had been saved just the day before. We had a time when they could stand up and testify, and we had a ton of people stand up and testify of what God had done for them in the outreach the day before, how they'd been healed, how they'd been saved, um, all that kind of stuff. And the craziest testimony, if you guys go add me on Facebook, Jesse Comer, if you add me on Facebook, you can see these two share their testimony themselves, but I'm going to give you the recap version of it, okay? This couple stood up to testify, and this was one of the craziest testimonies I've ever heard in my life. My jaw was on the ground. I had to keep asking my translator. If you watch the video, you'll see it in the video. I had to keep asking my translator, are they saying this happened yesterday, right? Because it was so crazy to me. But she stood up first and testified, and then he did after. And so what had happened is the day before, she had allowed their kids to come to our outreach. They were not a Christian couple. They were not believers. So when he got home, he was drunk, and he got furious that she would let his kids come to us. And what were we going to do to their kids and, and all this kind of stuff, right? So he got furious. And he started to beat her severely with a stick. And he was beating her so severely that she had to escape, right? And so she escaped him. She got to her brother's house. She locked herself in her brother's really hut, right? She like barricaded herself in the hut. And then he showed up and he was yelling and saying, I'm going to burn the house down if you don't come out, right? She didn't believe he would burn the house down. So she said, I'm not coming out. This guy sets fire to the house. He set fire to the house and burnt the house down. trying to kill her, right? She was able to get out of the house. She escaped the fire. She got out of the house. And then she didn't explain how they got to our outreach, but some maybe to pick up their kids. I don't know. Somehow they came to our outreach and heard the gospel message. They both came forward to be born again. He was physically healed. And then they were sitting next to each other, smiling at church the next morning. I'd never heard anything like it. He stood up and testified God had healed his body the day before and he was born again. And, and like, that is the mercy of God. Like, I've never heard such a display of the mercy of God. Thank God that we're, that we're not in that position, right? Because most of us would have passed over that one. <laughs> like, if we're God, I might skip over him, right? He just, this guy literally just beat his wife with a stick, tried to kill her in a fire, and God still heals his body and still pours out his mercy and still welcomes him into his family. <sighs> so, church, if you're here today and you think you've made one too many mistakes, <laughs> God's not going to forgive you this time. You've done one too many things wrong. I want you to look at that face. 
I want you to remember that face. And I want you to know that God's mercy is big enough for every single one of you, no matter what you've done in your life. His mercy is sufficient for you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So we had, I, I could sit up here and tell testimonies all day but I got to be, I got to be quick. So we're going to move on. Uh, if you have any other questions about the ministry, you can feel free to, to stop by the table on the way out. I'd be happy to share with you. I'd be happy to talk to you. We have some things you can pick up on the way out. We have our newsletter. We have our partnership cards. If you're interested in partnering with the ministry and prayer financially, personally, you can pick those up. We also have these little bags right here. We have a ministry in Kampala where we're empowering poor women uh, with a trade, right? And so like one, for example, one of the ladies who we've trained there, I say we, of course, I haven't trained her. I don't know how to even turn on a sewing machine, but our people have trained there, right? One of the ladies, her, her, her husband abandoned her and left her with nothing. So she would have starved had she not had something to, to fall back on or become a beggar on the street. Another young lady, her parents died when she was 17. So she was orphaned and she's been able to come and learn a trade and make a living. And, and so we have a ministry there in Kampala doing that. And as they're being trained, they just make little things, you know, like these bags. And, uh, and so what I do when I go is I'll buy these bags for them for at least four times what they can sell them for in Kampala, right? And then I'll come back and I make them available by donation. You can donate at the table on the way out if you want to pick up one of these bags. We have a card reader and all that stuff on the way out. I also want to thank you very quickly. I want to thank you for giving to missions because we can't do it without you. We, we can't, listen, we are a body of Christ and we're all, play, we're all playing our part and when we all get to heaven, we're going to have something to lay at the feet of Jesus. And, uh, and so thank you. So this is one of the most generous churches I know. I appreciate you guys for giving to missions the way that you do. Uh, there, I know there's going to be an opportunity to give at the end of the service. I want to let you know what, we're, what I shared a couple needs with Pastor Gary yesterday. And, uh, and, and we're believing God that, that this could be raised today, that this could be raised this morning. Amen. So the two things that I want to share with you today is the first one, we have, we've planted about 12 churches in Kathmandu, Nepal. I don't know if you've seen the news about India and Nepal in regards to the coronavirus, but it is a very different situation in India and Nepal than it is in America, right? And so it's it's very, very horrible situation there. They're locked down for a very long time. They can't work. They can't get food. So I've been raising some money for to send over to feed our pastors and the families in their churches. And uh, and so we, we've been raising some money. I need to raise about $2,000 more this morning so I can send it out tomorrow morning and make sure that they get food and make sure that they're being fed and sustaining themselves through this time. So there might be someone here who says, I want to pay that. I want to do that myself. If that's you, God bless you. If you say, I can't do that, but I can, I can provide for one family. It costs about $50 to provide rice and lentils to a family for a month. Amen. So whatever you want to do towards that. And then the next one is we are raising money for a new sound system because come February, God willing, we want to go back to Uganda and plant our next church in the city of Hoima. We already have land. We're already preparing. We have several people already in Hoima starting house churches so that when we come, they'll all combine. And so the groundwork is being laid. And so we want to get a sound system for that outreach because we're expecting five to 10,000 people to come and hear the gospel. And so that's sound system is going to cost $5,000. Uh, so we're, we're believing God for that this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Listen, I love giving to missions. Uh, I, I get, I've come to understand when I give to missions 
that every dollar that I invest is like a little foot soldier that I'm sending out to kick the devil in the teeth. <laughs> the, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. That makes me cheerful. <laughs> Picturing my dollar going out and kicking the devil in the teeth makes me cheerful. Amen. So listen, your job is to send the soldiers and my job is to make sure they're kicking the devil squarely in the teeth. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. I want to pray because I, I still have a word to preach. God help me. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you so much, God, for your presence. We thank you for that powerful time of worship where you were genuinely exalted. And I just thank you for that, for that, God. I thank you that this is a church that exalts your name. This is a church that is about your business. <laughs> Father, I pray that you would speak in this time, that you would anoint the reading of your word, that you would open ears and open hearts and open minds to receive. Holy Spirit, move. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I saw a meme recently a while back. It said, it said, people ask me, do I need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? Bro, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. <laughs> I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. I certainly need him to stand up here. Amen. Amen. So listen, I want to get into the word with you this morning. And, and what I want to preach to you on today is growing up, how to grow up into the reflection of Christ. Amen? Amen? Growing up into the reflection of Christ. I know you're in this series, Reflections, and so that's what I want to teach you, how to grow into his reflection and grow into his purpose for your life. Amen? Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, I believe I have it up here, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14, the Bible says, so that we may no longer be children. This is, this is God's will for us today, church. That's right. That we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness in deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Look at your neighbor, tell him, grow up. I don't know why the married couples enjoyed that so much. <laughs> I saw some ladies with a big smile on their face. <laughs> but rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way. Into what? Into him who is the head. Into Christ. Church, we are called to grow up into the image of Christ, into the reflection of Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians uh, that, that therefore now with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God, we are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. Church, we are called to grow up and grow into the reflection of Christ in this world. So I want to give you very quickly, I, I, this is going to be my main text for this morning. If you want to open your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from 1 John uh, chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Uh, you know, this is a passage that uh, for a long time I sort of skimmed over because I didn't really understand the impact of it. But it hit me a while back when I was reading this passage that this was the original growth track. 
<laughs> a lot of churches that nowadays they have growth tracks, right? So when someone gets born again, we want to give them the next steps. We want to bring them along the way, right? So we have what's called growth tracks. John gives us in 1 John chapter 2 the original growth track. So I want to teach you this morning the three stages of growth in the life of every Christian as we grow into the reflection of Christ. Amen? So the Bible says in 1 John verses 12 through 14, uh, it says, I am writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who's from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you've overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who's from the beginning. And I write to you young men because you're strong. The word of God abides in you and you've overcome the evil one. Hallelujah. John gives us three stages of growth in this passage. The first thing he says is I write to you children. He gives us two markers. What does it mean to be at the child phase in your growth in the Lord? And listen, if you're at the child phase this morning, there's nothing shameful about that. You got to go through the child phase to get to the young man phase and the father phase, right? We all start at the child phase. But Paul says you you shouldn't stay there, right? So John says the marks of a child, that first phase of growth in the Lord, he says two things. He says, I write to you children because your sins are forgiven. That's the first thing. Church, this is the first step of growth in the life of every believer, right? That we come to the Father with the heaping mess of our sins. Maybe like this guy just just beat his wife and burned a house down. For me, I was addicted to drugs and all sorts of stuff, right? We come to the Father with the heaping mess that is our sins, and, and we are totally forgiven. Though our sins are like scarlet, he makes them white as snow, right? He separates them from us as far as the east is from the west. And we're made a new creation where the old has passed away. It's no longer a part of who we are. We come and we're totally forgiven. That's the first step of growth. And the second thing John says is, and you know the Father. I write to you children because you know the Father. So church, if you are discipling a new believer, if you're you're pouring into a new believer, the first two things that they need to understand are that their sins are forgiven and that God is their Father. A lot of times we want to skip that and get to this is what you should act like. This is what you should look like. This is what you should do. The first thing that every child in the Lord, every new believer needs to understand is that you are totally forgiven and your past does not define you anymore. And God is your father. You're a co-heir with Christ. You are welcomed into the family of God. Uh, You you have a relationship with a loving father who's going to provide for you, care for you, be there for you, have a relationship with you, speak to you. This is the first thing they need to understand understand. Amen. The next stage of growth, John says, he says, I write to you young men and he gives us, so we're going to say spiritual adolescents because there are ladies here too, right? So I write to you spiritual adolescents. I write to you teenagers in the Lord, right? Why? He gives three marks of, of a young man or a spiritual adolescent. He says, I write to you young men because, because you're strong. That's the first one. The word of God abides in you. And you've overcome the evil one. Church, when you get to this phase, that's when you start reflecting Jesus. 
That's when you're growing into the reflection of Christ. The first mark of a spiritual, of a young man in the Lord is that you become strong. When you're a child, you're tossed to and fro, right? What does Paul say? I don't want you to remain children. Tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. When you're a child, when you're at that new child phase in the Lord, you are tossed to and fro by everything, right? You're tossed to and fro by your emotions. One day everything's great and God is amazing and you're on the mountaintop and you're never going to have any problems again. And then the next day you don't feel his presence quite as strong as you felt it yesterday. So everything's falling apart and everything's horrible. You don't even know if God's with you anymore. Do you guys remember this phase? Listen, I I remember this phase vividly. Tossed to and fro by different teachers, tossed to and fro by your own desires. You're constantly, you're constantly wavering right? But when you become a young man in the Lord, you become strong. You know what you believe. You know what your convictions are. You become unmovable, right? I might not feel God's presence the same way I felt it yesterday, but I know that God is with me the same way that he was with me yesterday because I don't live by feelings. I live by faith and faith through the word of God and what it says. I might feel symptoms coming against me, but I stand on the truth that by his stripes, I was healed. You become strong in what you believe. You're not tossed to and fro. The second mark is that the word of God abides in you. Church, there is something supernatural about this book. This, this is not a normal book, right? It's not like I could read this book or some other preacher's new book. There's something supernatural about this book that when you begin to abide in it, when you begin to live in it, when you begin to study it, that it actually take, takes root in your spirit and becomes a part of who you are. You start to get revelation from this book and it becomes more real to you than what you can see with your eyes or hear with your ear or sense with your senses. This becomes your truth. But church, it doesn't just fall out of a tree and hit you on the head. If you want the word to abide in you, you got to abide in the word. Jesus gives us this principle in John 8. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, listen, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free, right? But then in John 15, what's interesting is Jesus flips it around. In John 8, right, if you abide in my word, John 15, seven chapters later, so the disciples have had seven chapters of abiding in his words, right? And now seven chapters later, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. He doesn't say that the first time. When the word starts abiding in you, then ask whatever you want, because then you got that faith. You got that faith rising up in you from the word. That's the second mark of a young man of the Lord. The third mark of a young man of the Lord, you've overcome the evil one. You overcome, you start to reflect Jesus in these ways. You understand? You reflect Jesus in that you're strong in your convictions. Jesus was so strong in his convictions that there could be a storm sinking the boat and he's sleeping underneath. You become strong, and then you overcome the evil one. Satan loses his grip on your life. 
You overcome the anxiety that he's harassed you with. You overcome the depression that he's harassed you with. You overcome the addictions that he's harassed you with. You overcome the sin issues that he's held you captive with. When you become a young man in the Lord, you overcome those things, right? Church, I saw a statistic a while back, and I know I saw a more recent one, but I don't remember the numbers. I know it's much higher in both now. But I saw a statistic from, from Christianity Today a while back, maybe, maybe five years ago, and it said, the, the statistic was this. It said, it said 65% of adult men in America regularly view pornography, right? And then it said 64% of adult men in the church regularly view pornography. There's a 1% difference between the world and the church. What does that tell me? You know, the easy thing to say is, well, these guys aren't even saved, right? And, and listen, if, if, if there's sin that you're living in and you don't feel any remorse and it's not bothering you, then you might have to question that. But for a lot of these guys, right, they fall, they repent, they hate it, they're good for a couple weeks, they fall, they repent again, they hate it, they're good, right? And it's just this cycle that they're stuck in. Maybe it's not necessarily that they're not saved, maybe they never grew. They're still babies. They're still infants. Somewhere along the line, there was a stunted growth. Right? Whether they never surrender fully, they never came to understand God as their father, they never knew their sins were fully forgiven, they never abided in the word and became strong in their convictions. Somewhere along the line, the growth was stunted. But when you become a young man in the Lord, you overcome those sin issues. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but there's nothing that the devil has you captive with. You overcome those things, amen? And you start to reflect Jesus in your character. And John gives us one more, one more stage of growth. And I'm going to close in just two minutes. John gives us one more stage of growth. And what's interesting about the final stage of growth that John gives us is not the description, but the title. <laughs> See, John says, I write to you children. I write to you young men. You would think that the next step would be old men or elders. But he doesn't say that. He says, I write to you fathers. <laughs> Church, that's because spiritual maturity has nothing to do with your age or your length of time in the church. <laughs> True spiritual maturity looks like you've gone through those first two phases, right? And now you've entered into this phase of being a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. What makes someone a spiritual father or a spiritual mother? They have children and they raise them. This is what spiritual maturity looks like. This is the way that we reflect Jesus. We grow up into his character. Our lives start to look like him. And then just like he did, we start to reproduce ourselves in others. Just like he had his 12 that he reproduced himself in, we start to do that when we come to that level of spiritual maturity. You become a father or a mother in the Lord. You begin to lead your neighbors or your coworkers into a relationship with Christ, and then you don't just leave them there, but you, you lead them and show them how to grow up into the reflection of Christ. You lead them through those phases. Amen? Amen. Paul says to the Philippian church, he says, join in imitating me. In Philippians 3, join in imitating me. That's a powerful statement. 
But that's what we're called to grow to. We're called to grow to a place where I can tell you, imitate my way of life and you're going to reflect Jesus. <laughs> imitate what I do and what I say and you're going to look like Jesus. He says, he says, what you have received, learned, seen, and heard of me. In Philippians 4, he says this. What you've received, learned, heard, or seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. To the Corinthian church, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. It's interesting. He tells the Philippians, imitate me. The Ephesians, he says, be imitators of God. What is the correlation? If you imitate Paul's way of life, you're going to look like Jesus. Church, this is what we're called to do. We're called to grow so into the reflection of Christ that we can say, hey, follow me and you're going to look like him. Follow me and you're going to look like Jesus. This is the way that the church was meant to grow. By disciples who can make disciples, who can make disciples, who can make disciples. By, by, by believers who come to full maturity, reflect Christ and reproduce that reflection in others. Amen? Yes. Stand to your feet with me. I want to close in prayer. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for every single person who's here this morning, God, whatever phase they may be in of growth. God, I thank you that you lead us through those phases, that in order to become a, a mature man or woman in the Lord, we must first be willing to become a child. Hmm. And Father, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would bring conviction in this place and that wherever people are who are here today, they would be convicted in their hearts to go to the next level of growth, to become spiritual fathers, to grow into your image and then reproduce it in others. And if there's anyone who's here today who doesn't know Jesus, I wanna give you a very quick opportunity. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in just one moment. If there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus, you've not come to know him as your father and had your sins forgiven and you wanna make today the day that you surrender to him and enter into a relationship with him as a loving father. If there's anyone here that, that, that you say, that's me, man, I want Jesus in my life. I need to know him. I need, I need him to be my father. I want you just, if everyone could close their eyes and bow their heads right now, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. If that's you today, you're here and you say, I need Jesus in my life. Wherever you are, would you just raise your hand so I can see it and pray with you? Wherever you are, you say, I need my sins to be forgiven, and I need to know God is my Father. If there's anyone here, just raise your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm going to pray a prayer this morning. And if you're here today and you say, man, I need Jesus. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Even if there's no one, even, even if you're here today and, and you didn't raise your hand for whatever reason, but you say, man, I, I need Jesus. I need to know him. I need to have my sins forgiven. I want to pray a prayer right now. I invite you all to pray this prayer after me. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God and that you died on a cross for my sins. I know I've made mistakes and I need your forgiveness. And I ask you to forgive me right now.
and I receive your mercy and your grace. And I want to know you as my Father. Come in my life. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that this message encouraged and inspired you in your journey with Christ. For more information, you can visit our website at th.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TowerHillNH. To give online, you can go to th.church/giving. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.